Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me today on Grief and Rebirth Podcast. I'm delighted to be speaking to you from West Orange, New Jersey, while my special guest, Dr. Mark Pitstick, is coming to us from Ohio. Many of you are aware that I've interviewed amazing people affiliated with Helping Parents Heal, the inspiring nonprofit organization dedicated to assisting bereaved parents by providing support and resources which aid in the healing process. Dr. Mark Pitstick is a board member for Helping Parents Heal and the author of the Helping Parents Heal monthly newsletter column titled Evolved Souls Don't Need Long Earthly Lives. And that for sure is something I wanna ask him about today. Last April, I was very much looking forward to my interview with Mark at the Helping Parents Heal Conference in Charleston, South Carolina. But sadly, the conference was canceled due to the pandemic. In addition to his roles with Helping Parents Heal, Mark is also a certified past life regression therapist, the director of the Soul Phone Foundation. We're gonna find out a lot about that, everybody. The founder of Greater Reality Living Groups, and he's been a radio show host. This is one very busy guy. And if this all wasn't impressive enough, Mark has written three books that address soul proof, life, death in the afterlife, and holistic guidance for radiant wellness. He has also created an uplifting movie called Soul Proof, based on his book titled Soul Proof, which I have read. Soul Proof is an invaluable resource that provides compelling evidence that no one really dies. Mark, it's gonna be such a pleasure to welcome you to Grief and Rebirth podcast. I've been looking forward to our interview because I'm certain it will help to educate and enlighten Grief and Rebirth podcast's many listeners in important ways. But first, please stay tuned everyone while I take a quick break to show some love to our sponsors. We'll be right back. Hi, Mark. Welcome to Grief and Rebirth Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on, Irene. It's truly my pleasure. I have so many things to ask you, and I know we're going to be chatting away. Um, I mean, just alone, the different things people can learn from your books and your movie and all the things that you've done. But let me just start this way. Um, I know that you have over 47 years experience in training. You can't be that old, Mark, you only look 16. Uh, and in hospitals, pastoral counseling settings, mental health centers and private practice. Plus your extensive training includes a master's in clinical psychology and a doctorate in chiropractic healthcare. Please share with our listeners the clairaudient experiences you had at age 10 
In addition to some of the numerous miracles, revelatory and spiritually transformative experiences that have inspired much of the work you are doing. You are not a boring guy, Mark. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, Irene, um, when I was six years old, my parents were showing me a beautiful sunset, and I told them it reminded me of God. And they only told me that 20-some years later when I was in theology school. Uh, and they were perplexed because uh, I was brought up Lutheran. It was always God the Father this and God the Father that. They had no idea why I would have equated a beautiful sunset with the divine. Uh, so that and some other experiences suggest that I never totally shut down. I never totally succumbed to spiritual amnesia. And as a result of that, I was a little different. And as you say, I had some clear audience experiences. The first one I recall, I was sitting with my family up front. My dad was president of the church council and all that. And, um, and the minister is talking about hell in the, con in the context of a fiery eternal place of torment. <clears throat> Excuse me, and a a wise, calm, soothing voice said, "Mark, they have that one a little mixed up. God has no such need of such a place in His plan of salvation for all, or her plan." Uh, and I turned around to see what my family's reaction to that statement was, and everybody else was just looking straight ahead, even though I was probably eight or nine. Um, I had enough wherewithal to not say, did anybody else hear that? So I just kept that inside. Uh, later, um, these often seem to be triggered by sunlight coming through glass, like a stained glass window. I was sitting there, there and I was listening to the minister talk about someday we'll be in heaven and we'll be walking on golden streets and playing golden harps. And I was looking at the a stained glass window and the sun coming through and I thought wouldn't that get a little old after a while I mean you know if eternity uh, how long can you dance and play the harp before you get nauseated over it um, and another I mean I had numerous ones but another big one was I was at home and uh, reading the front page in the newspaper eating a bowl of syrup I mean I'm just a regular kid right or so I thought and um, I was reading about a prominent local man who had just passed on, and I looked up in reverie, and just then sunlight came through those old bevel glass windows, and that same voice said, Mark, someday you'll pass on too. What will you do with your time until then? Will you, wow. just, will you just take up space, or will you leave the world a better place? And then I'm back to eating cereal and being a kid. Uh, but all of those, of course, had huge impressions on me, and they formed the basis for what I teach to this day. And also, interestingly, it seems like each one of those experiences was stored in my heart, fourth chakra, like a sacred gem. And periodically, I would pull it out and look at it, and it, it was my little, uh, I mean, I'm getting teared up thinking about it, my sacred contact with Creator, who loves and cares for us so much we can't imagine. What uh, so it just brings me to two questions, Mark, because what a tremendous blessing that is. The first is that some of our people listening don't know what spiritual amnesia is. And the second one is whose voice do you think that was? Because as you know, I also got a voice in my head. 
And yours was also a male voice? Yes. So, so, so first tell us what is spiritual amnesia? And second of all, let's talk about that voice. Spiritual amnesia is a, is a wonderful term to describe the forgetting that me, many people have. In the Jewish tradition, for example, it's said that just before a person comes to earth, and, and you understand, of course, we come here to learn and grow and go through challenges and remember who we are, serve others. But if we remembered the big picture, if we remembered that one, we're one with God, that no one really dies, that we're eternal beings, it could negate our lessons. It would make it too easy. So it's said that the angel forgetfulness touches us on our upper lip just before we come to a place like earth. And that's why we have that little indentation. And then, you know, it makes it tough. It seems so real when in fact, as Einstein said, it's really an optical delusion that we are separate from God and each other, that we can die, etc. The... <clears throat> Second um, question about the voice. Yeah, uh, initially, of course, I thought it was a voice of God. But over time, Irene, I have um, paid less attention to distinctions. And now I see there as being no connection between creator, angels, we're, ourselves. We're all connected. It's Life is all one. So, so it just happened to be that sounded like a male voice to you, but it's all the same. But why didn't you, why do you, like for instance, I have this, I have a grandson who's told me that he remembers a past life. And so I know that eventually that kind of disappears. You didn't forget. So why do some people not get, some people retain the memory, some people as they get older forget, or perhaps are culturally persuaded to forget. And sure. some people hold on to them. Yeah, great question. I think it has to do with a number of factors. First of all, how evolved is a soul? How many times have they been around the block? I've been told by several different people independently that I'm a teacher soul who usually doesn't come to earth. And so perhaps that's why I remembered. The next thing, as you alluded to, it depends on the amount of uh, family support, cultural support. You know, our, our Lutheran church was pretty open-minded. We had a wonderful Chinese pastor. And so it the main focus is on love and caring, not fear and hell. And so I had very stable, loving parents. So even though I didn't talk about that sort of thing with them then, I did when I got into college, uh, they were there for me. They were supportive. So it was a wonderful environment for me to bloom. I, um, here's an interesting one. My family, um, my brother and sister, mom and dad would watch every evening TV. And back then, you know, it was, uh, there weren't that many stations and all of them had this canned laugh track, which drove me crazy. And <laughs> most of the shows were just so stupid. Um, you mean like for Mickey Mouse and uh... <laughs> well, I mean you name it. I mean they, it's like they were anyway. It wasn't was. my thing. So I would read. I was always going to our library and getting a pile of books, and I thought I'm just going to get down on the floor and do some stretches. And I would be in these postures, and years later I found out they were yoga postures. I was 12 years old. No. And then as soon as I learned about yoga and meditation age 19 i took tm i took classes 
and I've done those practices ever since. And yes, I am, what'd you say, 16th? Yeah, yeah, I'm 67 now, so uh, that I got an early start working in hospitals at age 19. I find that amazing because when uh, I had my spiritual experience, it was still, and this was in, two, in 1997 when the accident happened, it was still like a lot of people looked like you were crazy. If you if you were into spirituality or anything like that, and in fact, before it happened to me, I thought people were crazy. So the fact is that being around the same vintage as you are, um, it was wonderful that you had open-minded parents yes. who could accept that and allow you to have your uh, your beliefs. Yes, that's part. Of, it's it's a very um, I mean Midwestern upbringing. You know, a lot of the people I deal with on a regular basis are from East Coast, West Coast. But I think there's something about the just good old Middle Western uh, upbringing that gave me this crucible in which I could grow the way I have. By the way, it's interesting you mentioned 1997 and when you had your own awakening experience. Uh, one of my pivotal experiences happened in 1997. I had been meditating at that point for 20 years. And every morning I get up at 5.30, my wife and two young daughters were upstairs asleep. I'm downstairs doing an hour and a half of integral hatha yoga, breathing exercises, yoga posture. And now I'm sitting on the mat in front of a single candle, silently repeating the mantra OM. And... I, you know, I'd done this every morning for many years. And all of a sudden, I could hear from without, it sounded like the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, although I don't think they sing Ohm. Uh, hundreds of male and female voices all singing Ohm. And I knew that if I opened my eye and looked around and just made sure there wasn't anybody else in the room, the experience would go away. So I kept working with the mantra and breathing. Next, I smelled the most wonderful fragrance I've ever smelled in my life. I mean, imagine your 10 most favorite flowers. It's winter time out. The windows are closed. You know, there's nothing. So here's this fragrance now and this chorus of ohm. Next, I felt the most intense love and understanding. I, I just knew exactly how highly regarded I and everyone else is by life itself and tears started trickling down my cheek to feel that. Next, even though my eyes were closed, my mind's eye filled with bright white light, just the most beautiful bright white light. And then finally, and all this is going on at once now. And then finally, I don't know about you, but when we were kids, we did exciting things like stick our tongue on a nine volt battery and get a little buzz. Well, this is kind of like 40 volts. Okay, it wasn't painful, but it was a definite through my whole body. Wow. Now, all this is going on at once, and I stayed with it because I knew it was very positive for a few minutes, but that's all the longer I could handle the current. And then I just started laughing. I just said, oh, my God, and opened my eyes. I couldn't stand. It was too much current. Uh, but that was another real awakening, and that experience has driven me ever since to fine-tune myself and body, mind, spirit so I can handle that current more and more to serve others, to have the greatest life of my dreams, to reflect 
one mind here on earth as much as I can. It's such a blessing. I sometimes feel, you know, I, you know, what people will say to me, um, they're so sorry for my losing my husband and what happened to me, but I had this amazing spiritual awakening during that accident and it has given me so much comfort. I feel, I wish everyone, I mean, I don't wish it on anyone, but I wish everyone could have an awakening. That's part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast because I want, I want people to know that this is true and, and, and it exists. Um, that is like, that's marvelous. I think more people will take yoga after hearing your story. Uh, that's, that's incredible. Um, you, you have a partial remembrance of the greater reality and working with dying children in hospitals uh, and adults in hospitals how has this partial remembrance of the greater reality of working with these dying children and adults in hospitals influenced and inspired what you're doing today? I find that that's amazing that you have, I think people would be very interested in knowing your, mm -hmm. your journey with children. Yeah, my, um, the first year I worked, uh, I was just doing basic things, checking oxygen, giving breathing treatment, stuff like that. I was a respiratory therapist part-time as I worked my way through pre-med and theology school. Uh, so I did this for six years. And, uh, but then when I hit 20, I was trained. They spotted I was pretty sharp. And so I was trained then to do things that only physicians can do now, cardiopulmonary resuscitation, arterial blood cast punctures, putting the breathing tube down the lungs, intubation, et cetera. And so at age 20, here I was, uh, usually worked weekends, night shift, in the first hospital, it would just be me and the ER doc and a skeleton staff of nurses in this 100-bed hospital. And so most shifts, I was with one or more people as they died. Uh, and seeing that with little children, of course, was, was very difficult. But what I would do, Irene, was I would uh, stay true to my roots. In other words, I was brought up, God is all-knowing, all-caring, all-loving. And I thought, okay, that's got to be true. I need to find the perspective so I understand that. In other words, how can children die, sometimes by abuse and so on, and God be loving and caring? I also continued uh, during my breaks and so on, when I worked evening shift, I would go and look out a window as the sun set. You know, and back to that sunset reminded me of God, and I would have my snack or whatever and just watch that sunset. So those were some of my roots that kept me going, plus dear family and friends that helped me deal with that. And then over the years, put together this understanding I have so that, for example, this week, I'm uh, giving a session with uh, Helping Parents Heal Fathers group Wednesday night. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, and leading them in what we call facilitated after-death communication so they can start perceiving their kids more. Thursday, I uh, have a session with what we call caring listeners, uh, 15 bereaved parents who I uh, started this group, so provide clinical support for them. Tomorrow night, uh, IANS group, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. So yeah, as a result of all of this, I, I now have these answers that I can provide to the worst of the worst. I mean, if you visit my website, soulproof.com, you'll see 70 some articles uh, when your child changes worlds, when a loved one's body is murdered, 
when a loved one passes by suicide. And so I'm, I have great answers for those cases. By the way, one last thing, you notice the intentional language, like when you said people feel sorry for you because you lost your husband. I always say lost because as you know, it, yeah, you two have a, a relationship. You'll see each other again. So you didn't really lose him. And, yeah, and same way uh, in my different titles, I'll say uh, when your child changes the world, I don't say when your child dies because the child doesn't die just the outer shell and that turns out to be dr schwartz and i figured this out based on quantum physics information um, the body turns out to be about one thousandth of one percent of who and what we are you know i have to tell our listeners also that i mean i've read a few of your books and there's another wonderful book you've written called the 11 questions and everything you ever wanted to know about life death and the afterlife and there are some wonderful um, people, healers, people there, including Mark, who answer those questions. And just for the podcast for people who are asking now, how can children die and God be loving and caring? I know you know the answer to that, and let's tell people about that. Sure. Well, there's a few sides to it, so I'll paint a picture of this. Uh, the first part is that they're not just kids, okay? Right now, they're in and by the way, we've written, I've written two other books, um, one called Greater Reality Living with Dr. Schwartz and the most recent, The Big Picture of Life with Dr. Schwartz and also a Kata Mapes, who's a childhood educator and counselor. So in that book, and, and we found that the big picture of life is perhaps the most easy for a lot of people to understand because we break it down so basically. So we say uh, for these kids, of any age, you know, this is just your earth suit. This isn't you pointing to the body. It's gonna die some way. It's just the way life is set up, but there's so much more to you. So that's the first key about this, that, you know, how can there be a loving God and kids die? Well, first of all, they're not just kids. They were just playing that role. They were taking on that guys, perhaps to help their parents awaken, perhaps to, allow the nurses and doctors to open their heart more. We're <clears throat> just in the last nine months, afterlife, that life continues after body death has been scientifically definitively demonstrated by replicated, controlled, multicentered studies published in peer-reviewed journals. That's what's required to make this scientific statement for the first time ever that we know that life continues after bodily death. So that's the first thing. We so wait a minute, to all the naysayers, the, the atheists, or the, the when you're dead, you're dead. This is not true. This is just a, an illusion that they have. Correct. And we're not making a full reveal yet because we want to finish. We're preparing to have six other universities and institutes replicate this research. Also, Dr. Schwartz is preparing another paper, uh, hopefully to be in science advances. So we have some groundwork yet before we shout up from the rooftops, but we can share it here that life after death has been scientifically demonstrated. So we're eternal beings, number one. Number two, as many near-death experiences say, we each are one with the one and part of source energy right now. That is, we are one with God. And, and it's, you know, if it's out there, people can find it. We're children of God. We're 
Jesus is one with the Father, and so are we. Uh, so that's the other thing to remember. These kids are, are their souls too, probably evolved souls, like the uh, title of my Q and A for helping parents heal. Evolved souls don't need long earthly lives. They can't die. They don't really die. They're one with the one, and they will see their parents again when the parents pass. Plus, they can continue a different kind of relationship now through mediums, through techniques like my facilitated ADC technique. Uh, so this is... Wait, tell us are, about that technique, ADC, after-death communication <clears throat> technique, which is... Yeah, well, let, let me wrap up first because okay. you asked such a huge question for the parents. So the bottom line is that eternal beings... Uh, if everything was perfect, it would get really boring. Just like I said, the golden harps and the golden streets. And so souls like adventures, just like we do. You know, I presume you read different books, watch different movies, like to travel different places. Well, same way with eternal beings. Now, it may very well be a virtual reality experience they're having where it seems like they're a parent whose child died, or it seems like they're a woman whose husband died, but really, it's, it's pretty much an illusion. It's just, it's a, um, it's a way to put yourself in other people's shoes so you understand more and more how God sees things. And you open your heart to that point. And then, and then that's when you can merge. Uh, so those are all the reasons. And as you know, it's so easy to float through an earthly incarnation, you know, just focus on the minor things, you know, making money or, oh, how do I look today? And do I have a new shirt on and so on? And all these little sidetracks that really don't amount to a hill of beans. And it's usually only when something horrible happens, a tragedy, that we awaken and start asking those big questions. The term for these awakenings, however they occur, is spiritually transformative experiences. And so that's one of the reasons why a child would pass in a loving universe because God didn't make it happen. It wasn't God's decision, but the parents and the child, their essence got together and said, hey, you know what? I, this is speaking for the parents, I need to grow in patience and compassion. And it would help if I had a child who passed and that would drive me to my knees and wake me up and make me search for meaningful answers to life's biggest questions. Hey, I need somebody in my soul group. And we usually have 25 or so primary soulmates. I need somebody in my soul group to play my child. And, and one of your eternal buddies says, wait a minute, I died early last time, you know, okay, I'll do it all out of love. So it's just, it's a blink of an eye and the span of eternity that we're here on earth. So when a person can remember everything and more remember, know, internalize, embody, then they realize, I'm going to get through this. This doesn't mean it totally takes away all the pain, but it definitely lightens it. In helping parents heal, our number one goal is to help people transition or journey from being bereaved parents primarily experiencing grief and sadness and loneliness and pain and anger and guilt and all that to shining light parents and realizing, my God, what an honor to have been a parent of a child for a brief period of time and be part of this wonderful scenario. And by God, I'm going to find the silver linings, find the blessings, and I'm going to share them to honor my child 
and to get our money's worth. One of my dear friends, and he's on the uh, HPH board, which I'm not right now, uh, Jeff Hullahan, he has a, <clears throat> uh, his wife, Lynn's son died, uh, passed on, Devin. And Jeff has a uh, tattoo on his leg. It says, I bought the ticket. I'm going to take the ride. Wow. Another, yeah, if you're going to go through the, and it's just like the Garth Brooks song. I could have missed the dance, but I would have, I could have missed the pain, but I would have missed the dance. So we come here to dance and learn and grow. And it's a beautiful, loving setup when you see it. I agree. And you know, adversity, like, which happened also to me, I had that spiritually transformative experience during my adversity when my husband died next to me. And I think one of the things that helped me move forward is that as I was healing and growing, I was role modeling for others to do the same. And I think this is something that you do with helping parents heal because there are so many people I know in the organization who have lost their own children and they have grown through the experience and now they're helping other parents become shining light parents. And, and that really, instead of sitting there your whole life in that, you know, sadness and depression and everything, you can, you, there are ways like through these organizations or different modalities, move through it and now you are becoming a role model for other people yes. and uh you know i say it often um in the in these interviews one of the things that my son has said to me after my experience was mom there was nothing worse in my life than seeing you in total despair and nothing better than seeing you being able to have joy again mm. ah, that's great uh, and I tell people that's what the healing, that's what this is about. This is what this is about. A um, couple Mark, afterthoughts, excuse me, before you continue on. You, and by the way, please do interview yourself because you have so much to say. Uh, the first thing is that the Buddha was reportedly asked, why is there suffering? He said, simple, two reasons, service and growth. Wow. Yeah. And... Uh, according to Michael Newton, author of Journey of Souls and founder of Life Between Lives Therapy, some intermediate to advanced souls will, they don't need to come back to earth for karmic reasons, but they will volunteer to come back and perhaps lead a short life just so that beginner souls can learn how to care for others. People are being becoming doctors and nurses, so on. In other words, how can caregivers care for anybody unless there's somebody who's sick? So that's how beautifully life is set up. Here's another one that's important. Um, again, this is based on uh, the book by Lynn McTaggart, The Field, based on current quantum physicists understanding. They say if all the light, energy, and information that exists in our world, and that's fundamentally who and what we really are, beings of light, energy, and information. If all that exists in our world were the height of the Empire State Building, the portion the average human can perceive would be the height of a coat of paint. Mm. Empire State Building, coat of paint. So it's as though all, most of us are going around looking at life through a tiny pinhole and then wondering why things don't make sense. It's not that life doesn't make sense. It's that we're seeing such a limited amount of this. 
So that's why it's so important to expand our, our Absolutely. Vision. I mean, my whole, you know, people often comment about um, that I seem so happy and vibrant is because I have this expanded point of view. And I just want to ask you one more time for our people who are listening. Why is there suffering? It's for service and growth. Growth. So that, yes. you know, people, so that, so in other words, make your lemonade out of those lemons, everybody. They could be, they could be helping yourself and a lot of other people in your life. Um, Mark, could you tell us about the Soul Phone Foundation a little bit? Sure. <laughs> I think, I think that is so fascinating. It's a technology to help people themselves communicate with the other side. And it does, does it eliminate the need for a medium? Okay, too many questions at once. First of all, all can my you, questions. Yeah, I know. You're like, can you tell us about the soul phone a little bit? That's like, you know, being a little bit pregnant. Uh, this is a huge, huge topic. So if people will go to uh, YouTube and, and then type in uh, the Soul Phone Foundation uh, and also on our website. So, soul, this would be easier, soulphone.org. And on the uh, homepage is an hour video I created that tells all about it. But briefly, uh, Dr. Gary Schwartz, former Harvard and Yale professor, now at University of Arizona, genius who had two near-death experiences wow. when he was a kid, um, has been working. First of all, he did the first research with John Edward and other mediums 20-some uh, years ago, showing that some mediums have valid um, abilities. And that, of course, is a tacit uh, indication that life continues after death. Otherwise, who could they be communicating with? Uh, but shortly after that, he made dear friends with about uh, 10 mediums, or I actually became more like colleagues. And they began, began passing on to him independently bits of information. They say, for example, Albert Einstein keeps coming to us and say, you're supposed to build technology to allow communication with the next dimension, you know, that what we call the post-material world, just like we can now here. And so he's been working on this since 2004 with a team of electrical engineers, software specialists, optical physicists, evidential mediums, and others. He asked me four years ago to join him and be the spokesperson for his organization, but also have helped with some of the research. Uh, so long story short, at this point, we have what's called the soul switch, which is a binary indicator providing yes or no answers. And we've proven through multiple experiments that some of these team members we've been working with, we call the A-team, people like Nikola Tesla and David Bohm and Einstein and others are able to consistently answer questions accurately with this switch. Uh, you know, we will ask a question, was this your mother's name? Did you write a book by this name? And they answer yes. And when the answer should be no, they answer no. So there's no doubt that they remember uh, the language from earth, they remember concepts, they are willing and motivated to help us. Well, th the switch isn't too exciting, but where it gets exciting is the next stage of switch we will have, which is called the electronic switch, will be 98% accurate, provide instantaneous yes or no. And when we put about 40 of those in series in parallel, Irene, then we've got a sole keyboard. 
And that's when we're in business because we'll be able to get a much greater quality and quality of information from the next world. They will be able to type and text with us, give us information so that next then we can develop what's called the soul, uh, soul voice like a phone and then soul video like Skype, FaceTime, uh, Zoom so that we can see and hear our loved ones who have changed worlds. It's so exciting. So like if you lose a loved one to be able to have the ability, okay, many of us, I joke around with my mother who's 95 and I tell her, mom, you won't have time to do anything on the other side. I'll have so many mediums contacting you. They'll have to have a switchboard in the sky for you. But, uh, you know, but that is like to be able to think one day I could pick up a, a phone or and say, hey, mom, how's it going? How you doing or whatever? and to talk with the person. And I will just want to ask you, people refer to the other side, but you called it the other dimension. Is there a reason for that? Or do you also call it the other side? Yeah, uh, the term other side denotes uh, separation. Right. And so uh, Dr. Schwartz and I spent a lot of time when we wrote our book, Greater Reality Living, and cr we created a glossary in the back talking about more accurate terms. So for example, the veil, is there really a veil? You know, if you go far out enough somewhere, is there this veil? A lot of the things we've been taught about afterlife are carryovers from the dark ages, the middle ages, and a lot of them are just plain wrong. And so that's why we look at contemporary evidence. Certainly we honor the uh, golden threads what Alice Huxley called the perennial philosophy that run among world's great religions. But also we look at clinical evidence from near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, et cetera, first-hand experiences such as you had, and then also now the scientific evidence. And that then provides, and then also what does a person feel or remember inside? I've given so many presentations over the years to and elders would come up or share during the presentation. They'd say, you know, when I was a little kid, I was sitting there hearing about hell and devil and all that. And I never believed it. This little voice said, that's a bunch of crap. A loving God, a loving God wouldn't allow that. And they were right. So I, th I think that's the combination for best discerning what is most true. And actually our loved ones were all around us. It's just a different vibration from, from what I understand. Your greater reality living, is that about expanded consciousness? Is that about the ability to see things not through that pinhole, but? Yes, it's, it's about, first of all, introducing the concept, greater reality is our preferred term for all that is, life itself, all the different infinite field of possibilities. Then greater reality living, is a term we use to invite people to consider how would you live if you knew without a doubt that no one really dies. For example, when I was a kid, our minister would always end the church service with the benediction. May the peace that passes all understanding be in your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. And even as a youngster, I thought, the peace that passes all understanding, wow, that sounds like a good thing. I want some of that. Well, that's one of the, the many gifts that come with knowing what we're talking about here today. In the Greater Rowdy Living book, we use what we call the LIVES formula. And LIVES is an acronym for learn the evidence, learn it so you really know it, 
but then I internalize it. In other words, it's important not to just have it in your head, but in your heart and every fiber of your being so that when life's inevitable challenges come along, you're prepared for them. And we have a whole series of strategies for helping people internalize it because sometimes people have been so wounded and abused, they're afraid to hope and that good news can't get in. V is for vitalize yourself in body, mind, spirit. So you have enough energy to do everything you need to do each day and brighten the corner where you are. The E for enjoying the many benefits and there are nine primary benefits uh, that go along with that. Some of them we've discussed. And then S, serve others and yourself and make the world a better place. So it's our personal experience and our belief that when a sufficient number of people on our planet will do that, then many of the world's problems and challenges will come together, not to mention this A-team we mentioned. We've been told there are hundreds and hundreds of post-material persons. They were geniuses while on Earth. We're talking in every field, responsible leadership, healthcare, uh, inventors, scientists, leaders, religious teachers, etc., who stand ready to give webinars to us via, first of all, the soul keyboard, but then as possible, as soon as possible, through audio and video to help us along here. So stay tuned, people. Don't give up. Keep hope alive. It's going to get a lot better. It's happening. It's real, and it's based on scientific research. Mark, this is fantastic. I love this. It just... It, it, and it also validates what this is all about, the, the, what, we're, what we're doing. It's wonderful, and it's going to help so many people. Uh, what Would you say there's an importance to healing and completing our unfinished business in this lifetime as opposed to waiting till you, you go to the other dimension, uh, you come back in another body and all? Why, I mean, why should people be motivated to clean up their wounds while they're here. Oh, you ask such great questions. And you realize each one of these questions could be a whole show, really. Uh, but the well, short well, you can always come back and we could even focus on one of them. I would be thrilled <laughs> because yeah. I think these are very important things for our listeners to, yep. to learn about. Well, the short answer is that it's a 10, and this is based on work of Michael Newton and others, uh, some evidential mediums report that it's a common tendency for a soul to come to earth. You understand this is a big deal. I mean, there's a waiting list for souls to come to a place like earth because it's such an exquisite place for enjoyment, learning, service, having adventures and so on. But then people get here and then they, they freeze up, they forget or they give up. And so that's one reason it's so important to face challenges head on. Uh, but the next is that oftentimes facing our fears and challenges is part of our soul's mission, our purpose for being here. And as you know, when we're fulfilling our purpose, that's when we have that peace and joy, that fulfillment, that love that everyone is craving, but oftentimes looking at for the wrong way. So that's why I encourage, I think there's a place for euthanasia, a good death, death with dignity for like people who are super old and falling apart. Why should they have to suffer? Our dogs and cats don't. But otherwise, for the most part, I encourage people to not choose suicide uh, because they may just 
they don't have to, but they may choose to come back and go through similar challenges. And also the, the greatest life of our dreams can just be a moment away if we have a breakthrough instead of a breakdown. Wow, that's a beautiful quote. I'm going to write that down. The greatest, the greatest, say it again, the greatest. The greatest life of our dreams, the life, the dreams. life we each have imagined can be just one decision away. And so that's why it's so important to keep trying. And you re it's just like going to the gym. In other words, if I would go to the gym and start pressing this pen, oh boy, I'm really working out here. I wouldn't get much muscle growth. But if I'm using a heavy dumbbell, I would. Well, likewise, that's one of the main reasons why eternal beings would come to a place like Earth to build their spiritual muscles, to remember who they are, to realize how strong and love they are. That's fantastic. You know, this is kind of a loaded question. Um, and uh, I don't know if um, you want to talk to it, but when you say that souls come here for the pleasure of incarnating, and I know we have to um, start. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I know that souls come here for the pleasure of incarnating, but sometimes it's not such a pleasure to say the least. And when you talk about the chaos that's going on on our planet right now, do you have any thoughts to share as to uh, collectively what we're all supposed to be learning and growing from these experiences we're having? Well, let me address the first part of it. The, um, yeah, there's a, definitely a place for enjoyment and pleasure and all that. But sometimes it's important to, you know, just like we were talking about, you know, go for that workout. It, it doesn't feel so good in the middle of it. You're straying and so on, but then you get done. You feel great. You got the endorphins. You see your, your body toning up. It's the same way with life. Sometimes it's not so pleasant, but in the long run, it can result in eternal improvements that help you and help everyone around you. Regarding the pandemic, I don't know if there's a generalized uh, reason or benefit because everyone's so different. In other words, right now, some people had a wonderful break where they just go, go, go. And for a couple months, there was nowhere to go. So they had some more time and space. For others, it was getting out in nature, you know, which they didn't take time to do. But that's one safe thing people can do, ride their bike, walk, go to a park, and so on. There's enough social isolation there. So getting out in nature. For others, being caregivers. For example, I know some doctors and nurses who are just getting into the field. Wow, talk about jumping in with both feet uh, into it. Uh, for others, it's developing more compassion. For others, in other words, uh, I get many emails every day from people around the world. This, we talked earlier about spiritually transformative experiences. This very pandemic and everything goes along with it has been a wake-up call for a lot of people. Again, they get out of that comfortably numb, comfortable rut that it's so easy to get into. And then they say, wait a minute, what's going on? Is there really a God? If so, why is this happening? How can I react to this? How can I find the silver linings? So it's, it's like life in a nutshell. The uh, potential for blessings are always there. It's a matter of whether we look for them, whether that's our intention, 
and then whether we put them to use. Okay. Um, tell our leaders, and we've touched on it, all the ways that they can connect. Our listeners all want to connect with you now. So could you give them all your sure, all your links, yeah. all your whatever yeah. everyone because yeah. this is mark is a font of information well thank you it's just two websites now uh soulproof.com so soulproof.com and on that are 70 some articles as i mentioned those are free addressing the toughest of the tough the biggest questions and challenges people encounter also you mentioned the the book the 11 questions those come from a radio show i did called Ask the Soul Doctors. And some of my guests, Bernie Siegel, Dr. Schwartz, Anita Morjani, Raymond Moody, you know, the best of the best, where I asked the same 11 questions. And um, people can listen to those radio shows free. Also, 20 years ago, I had a radio show called Solutions. And in that, uh, Wayne Dyer was a guest. Bernie Siegel, Michael Newton, Brian Weiss, and others. Again, all stars in the field of consciousness and afterlife. Those are all free. And then the free newsletters. So that's soulproof.com. Then the other website is soulphone.org. And that's all about the soul phone technology, how to learn about greater reality living groups, which we're just getting started and the pandemics hurt a bit. Um, but just a quick sidebar on that. Dr. Schwartz and I both have gotten so many messages from people. They say, I'm sharing this experience with you, whether it's a near-death experience or hearing a voice or leaving their body, whatever. There's no one else I could tell. My family and friends would think I'm kooky. So we say, well, you're not kooky. If you are, there's millions of us who are kooky because these experiences are so common. And what we encourage people to do is, you know, take a chance and share it with some others. You may be surprised they had them too. And then people realize how common this is. And that's just one of the many indications about this big picture of life. But we wanted to start groups where people could learn the lives information and then a safe place without judgment where people could share their personal experiences, consider how to improve their communities and develop uh, kindred spirits. One of the biggest parts about being on the path is having kindred spirits and family, friends who are in your tribe and you can share with and you know they've got your back and you know you're not alone in this. Uh, so all those reasons. So that's Greater Reality Living Groups on the soulphone.org website. If someone wants to join your Greater Reality Living Group, how do they do that? And is it done online? Yes, we're going to be setting those up online and um, they can just go to the Greater Rowdy Living tab on that website, soulphone.org. And they can just sign up for it there? They can learn more about it. Um, as I say, we're just getting started. So they may want to get information, like if people want to sign up. Lots of information to find a group, to go to the online groups, to start a group. That's great. Awesome. Now, you feel, do you anticipate people physically starting groups also? Well, we have to wait till things calm yeah. down. Um, but yes, when, uh, when the pandemic's not raging so much, definitely allowing people to get together in these highly conscious ways.
thank you. I think that's wonderful. And um, it is said, Mark, that great joy comes from knowing your highest purpose and living that higher purpose. How can people tune into this information to live a life filled with joy? Well, we've touched on it some, uh, and I've, I've told Dr. Schwartz, the um, working on this soul phone project has been for me the apex of everything I've done in my life. You know, like a lot of people, I've been through tough times, a divorce, uh, first love breakup, which only took me like 20 years to get over, uh, financial losses, you know, every one of the crashes we've had, I was in every one of those. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just part of life, life on earth. And I'm quite certain that I signed up for a lot of that. Uh, so you go through life and you think, wow, you know, how many more punches can I take? But then you, when you're really following your bliss, you see, oh my God, all those were important. If one thing changed, everything could have changed. Right. And I would, I would not have missed any of that pain and suffering if I could if that would have prevented where I am now. So I encourage people to recall uh, tough times in the past and then some of the blessings they're aware of now and then consider your current challenges and realize you can have those kind of blessings or even more. So stick with it. Do the, some of the things we've talked about. Avail themselves of the resources you mentioned. And it's a wonderful, beautiful ride, just like the James Taylor song. Isn't it a lovely ride? And the more you get that, the more you can see that. And the last thing is that um, serving others is so important. Quick example, a few years ago, I, I, I wear hearing aids. I lost a lot of my hearing as a child uh, from having a, a virus. And so uh, I wore hearing aids. Well, a few years ago, I had a patient and uh, she was just 28 years old and she came in and she was talking really loudly and she said, I forgot my hearing aids today. You're going to have to talk really loudly and really slowly so I can lip read. And okay, I did. Uh, but then I was talking to our acupuncturist about it. I have a holistic healthcare office and our acupuncturist said, I've seen her numerous times. And she always tells me the same thing. She forgot her hearing aids. She said, I don't think she can afford them. And I said, mm -mm, not on my watch. So I bought a new pair, even though my current pair was good. And I called my audiologist and I said, Julie, would you uh, do a free consultation with this young lady and I'll give her my hearing aids? And Julie said, I would love to. Well, the next week I got a phone call from this young lady, her name's Chrissy, and she was crying and laughing. She said, I'm sitting in the car with my mom and my sister. We've been sitting out here for 45 minutes, crying and laughing. She said, I can hear for the first time in my life, I can really hear. Oh my God. And, and I felt the most joy, or I say some of the most joy I've ever felt in my life. So I would say to people, you know, if, if you want to have more joy and peace, consider how you can serve others and you'll get it in spades. You know, Mark, this is such a wonderful interview. I've done so many interviews. This is such a wonderful interview. And I want to tell our, our listeners, 
this video, this interview also goes on Vimeo. And so people will be able to see Mark and when and me. And when you see Mark and you see the depth of emotion in his eyes and in his being and how sincere that he is, all of his words make even more of a difference. And I just want to thank you from my heart for this amazing ride of an interview that you've given all of us. And I invite you back because I would be thrilled to talk with you in depth about any one of these subjects that you would like to bring forward. Uh, and, and, and as things are continuing to go, it is my pleasure. And I think a lot of our listeners would be, okay, what's he up to now? I want to hear all about this. Well, thank you. Let's stay in touch. And thank you, Irene, for everything you're doing. This is a valuable service. Thank you. And here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us because we're very likable on social at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. As I like to say, and I know Mark would agree, to be continued. Many blessings and bye for now. Mm -hmm.